1: Welcome to the Garden Church Podcast.
2: There's a story found in the Gospel of Mark, and it's this insert into Jesus on his way to his execution. And it doesn't really seem to fit in the Gospel of Mark. Um, Mark is a unique gospel. It's probably the first gospel written. It was written under the firsthand experience and oversight of Peter, the apostle and friend and disciple of Jesus. But the author is a guy named John Mark. And he writes this letter, this account of Jesus's life to a Roman audience. And it carries a lot of Roman stylistic characteristics to it. It's fast-paced, it's action-packed, it's quick to the point. Um, it's different than the gospel of Matthew, which is written to a Jewish audience. And it's different than the gospel of Luke, which is written from a doctor's perspective to a Gentile audience. And it's also very different from the poetic narrative that John gives us. Mark is certain to get you to the cross. There's 16 chapters in the book of Mark. Ten are dedicated to the three and a half years of Jesus's ministry and life. And six, six chapters are dedicated to the last week of Jesus's life. It tells you something about the importance of the cross. As the story in the gospel of Mark approaches the cross, things slow down. It becomes more detailed. Mark wants you to see everything that's going on, which this was a very Roman thing to do in Roman antiquity. The way that a Caesar or a general or a hero died was really, really important to the Romans. The death of a hero was very important because their death told you how they lived according to the Roman audience, how somebody died at, in in regards to the Roman antiquity was uh, Evidence of how they might have lived. Now, this uh, is Mark's intention. So, Mark chapter 11, what you see Jesus enters into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, and the narrative slows down. There's the Last Supper, there's the questioning, uh, there's all sorts of things going on. Jesus goes into Gethsemane, he's arrested, he's brought before the Sanhedrin and the chief priest, he's spit upon, he's blindfolded, he's struck in the face, he's beaten. His friend, Peter, disowns him, and then he's handed over to Pilate, and that's where we get to Mark chapter 15. In Mark 15, it says this, verse one, very early in the morning, the chief priests and the elders and the teachers of the law and the whole Sanhedrin made their plan, so they bound Jesus, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate. Are you the king of the Jews, asked Pilate? You have said so, Jesus replied. The chief priests accused him of many things. So again, Pilate asked him, aren't you going to answer? See how many things they accuse you of. But Jesus still made no reply. And Pilate was amazed. Now, it was the custom of the festival to release a prisoner whom the people requested. A man called Barabbas was in prison with the insurrectionists who had committed murder in the uprising. The crowd came up and asked Pilate to do for them what he usually did at the festival. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? Asked Pilate, knowing it was out of self-interest that the chief priest had handed Jesus over to him. But the chief priest stirred up the crowd to have Pilate release Barabbas instead. What shall I do then with the one you call the king of the Jews? Pilate asked. Crucify him, they shouted. Why? What crime has he committed? asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder Crucify him. Wanting to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. He had Jesus flogged and handed him Over handed Jesus over to be crucified. This is a unique story. We're introduced to new characters, two new characters in the story of Jesus. Pilate, the Roman governor in Israel, and Barabbas. Pilate, as the Roman governor over this land in ancient Palestine, had one job. His job was to keep the peace. In the Middle East. Why, might you ask? Well, Israel had a history of insurrections. Throughout history, Israel, this ancient land, was conquered by different empires. First, the Egyptians and the Persians and the Greeks, and eventually the Romans. And time and time again, throughout the history of Israel, there were revolts and riots and insurrections and uprisings against the foreign powers that invaded their, their land. We know of a story in 160 BC, before Jesus was born. The Syrians had occupied Jerusalem. They desecrated the temple of Israel, and they de- dedicated the temple of Yahweh, the Israelites' temple, to the te- uh, and they made it a temple to Zeus, the Greek god. Now, at that time, a man named Judas Maccabee and his family Rose up against the Syrians and they performed a three year military campaign. And the climax of the campaign came when Judas rode into Jerusalem and defeated the enemies, Syria, and they cleansed the temple from all of the idols. They celebrated this victory in Jerusalem uh, by singing hymns and waving palm branches. Does that sound familiar? Now, when the Romans conquered Israel in 60, Uh, 60 years before Jesus was born, Um, there was 20 years later, 40 BC, Herod came into power and he was recognized as a title for Israel, the king of the Jews. Herod was the king of the Jews at the time that Jesus was crucified, a different Herod. Story after story in Jewish history, men were trying to defeat Israel's enemies. They would perform a military campaign against the occupying forces of Israel. They would start with an insurrection and then they would lead their people into cleansing the temple and then they would dedicate the temple and they would begin their reign. But eventually these insurrectionists, these would be Messiah figures would die. They would be killed. They would die of, of natural causes, or they'd be executed by the foreign powers. That's what would happen. And this is what was going on at the time of Jesus. But we only know that one Messiah was raised from the dead. And so the insurrections with a Roman governor like Pilate leads to us discovering this man, Barabbas. Barabbas was in jail. Barabbas was part of a conspiracy that inspired an uprising. He was an insurrectionist, and he was a murderer. So he was a prisoner of Rome. And Mark shows us this picture, and here's the picture. I want you to see it in your imagination, the image of what we have. Pilate sitting in the seat of power. He represents the Roman authority, the empire, crushing down on all who are against Rome. And then you have Barabbas. Barabbas is a, a terrorist against Rome. He's a, a leader of a, an insurrection, a rebellion. He was a murderer. He was shackled and in prison. He was waiting for uh, the justified execution of his crimes. And then there's Jesus next to Barabbas. Jesus was a teacher, a rabbi, who went around healing the sick. Casting out de- demons. Telling people that the way of, uh, to win the world is through love. To turn the other cheek. To go the extra mile. To care for the poor. To welcome the outsiders. And this is the story we have. Jesus standing next to Barabbas. A murderer. And the story goes... Barabbas and Jesus, which one do you want to be released? And it's Barabbas who's released. This is how the story goes. Now, why? Why why would Mark include the story of Barabbas? For so long I thought that this story is just this weird interjection of 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 insignificance. But then I realized right in the narrative of Mark's gospel, right in the middle of Jesus on his way to the cross, we're interrupted with this image, this image of Barabbas. Barabbas is the gospel story. It's not some random act. It's not some random uh, detail to this bigger story. This is the story. Right in the middle of the gospel is an image of what happens on the cross. A man deserving his punishments, a man deserving um, the punishment for his crime is let off the hook. The story of the gospel of Mark is is often, you're often um, put into the narrative, who are you in the story? What Mark is doing over and over again is who are you? Are you a disciple who gets Jesus? Are you part of the crowd? Are you a disciple or part of the crowd, excuse me? Are you somebody who understands where Jesus is going or do you miss the point? Over and over again, you see the people who should get Jesus like like the, the religious people, they don't get him. But tax collectors get him. Uh, Sinners get Jesus. And so you have this story of where do you find yourself in this story? It's this play. It's this moment where it's it's a literary device. And right in the middle of the gospel story, right when you think you're getting to the climax, there's this interruption. Barabbas, a murderer, a terrorist, a man deserving his punishment is, is released And why, why is he in the story? Because we are Barabbas. I, I am Barabbas. Mark wants you to see what Jesus does. I deserve the punishment. I deserve the shackles for the crimes. But Jesus, Jesus, the innocent, justified son of God, chooses to take our place. He chooses to take my place. Barabbas is the human reminder of what the gospel is. We need to see Barabbas. We need to see Jesus choosing to go along with it, choosing to take the place of a murderer, a rebel, a terrorist. You see, Barabbas is released. His chains come off. He walks away. And Jesus is shackled. And then he's flogged. And then he walks to be crucified. You see, this, this is the good news of Good Friday. This is what it looks like. But the problem is, we don't want to see this story because we can't accept it. It's too detailed. It's too unfortunate. We can't. If you were in the situation like me, you might say something like, "No, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. No, Jesus, hold on. You can't take this. You can't take this from me. This, I deserve this. This is what I did. I deserve this. You can't possibly take this from me. I'm the screw up. I'm the failure. I'm the one who sinned. It's my lust. It's my anger. It's my rage. It's the lies that I've told. It's the fear. It's the unforgiveness. It's the shame. I've done this. I deserve this. And Jesus, he just says, it's okay. It's okay. Let me have it. You gotta let these things go. And then he takes takes what you deserve from you. He takes all that stuff that we hold on to, all the bondage, and he says, go. Be free. I've got this. Barabbas is released. Jesus is crucified barabbas is the ultimate image of what jesus comes to do you see there's no spiritual system there's no spiritual practice there's no discipline there's not one good deed you could do that could save you there's no right thinking there's no philosophy there's not a car or a house or relationship that will save you from what you deserve only jesus only grace. Only the grace of a kind God who is willing to take the place, to take your place, will ever be enough, will ever save you. And he says to you, this God says to you, I've got it. I've got this. Go. Be free. Be free from your anger. Be free from that range. Be freed from all the lust, all the hate, all the envy, all the jealousy, all the stuff that you've collected, all the anxiety and worry and fear. Be free. You can't possibly earn this. You can't possibly do anything to win this. That's the point. That's what Good Friday is about. And we have to imagine ourselves this Friday, this moment, today, we have to imagine ourselves as Barabbas. And we have to imagine ourselves like Barabbas, taking off the shackles, taking off the bondage, placing them on Jesus and being able to go home, being able to be free. Because the willing love of a kind God gives us life you see god gives us his one and only son to rebels to murderers to thugs to thieves to liars to adulterers to manipulators to offenders and everything else in between and he does it willingly this brothers and sisters this is the gospel this is the story of the cross. This is why Jesus came. John 3:16 says, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall have shall not perish but have eternal life. And Romans eight, 5 says, but God demonstrated his own love for us in this way. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is the story of the cross. This is what we celebrate this Friday, the story of Jesus setting us free through his sacrifice. You see, Jesus came to rescue creation and to rescue the children of God. Isn't that interesting that the son of God came to rescue the children of God? And one of the things I love about the story is that little detail. You see, if the story doesn't do it for you, then let me tell you what the name Barabbas means. You see, Barabbas is the Hellenized translation, the name for an Aramaic name. The Aramaic name is bar Abba, son of the father. Barabbas' name means son of the father. Isn't this amazing that Jesus, the son of God, took the place of the son of the father, who was a terrorist and a murderer and a criminal. Jesus died for him. For us, what a gift! What a gift! Jesus died to set us free, to release us from the bondage of sin, to free us from shame and guilt, to free us from our endless pursuit of trying to be enough. And He offers us our forgiveness and freedom as a gift. And that's the thing now, because of the cross, this Good Friday, we remember what. God did for us, what Jesus did for us on the cross. And the best response to this gift is now to live in our freedom, to examine ourselves and say, yes, this is what's on there. I have crucified this stuff with Christ. But now the greatest gift we can give back to God is our lives as an act of worship to now walk into freedom. Barabbas didn't go, Jesus, I'm gonna stay. I'm gonna, I'm, gonna keep, I'm gonna stay in jail. I'm gonna go back to my prison. No, he went home. He lived free. And this is what Good Friday is. We celebrate. We remember the cost, the sacrifice, the trade. But we remember the cross, most of all, by choosing to live in freedom. So, may you live in grace because all of life is a gift may you live in freedom because it is for freedom that christ has set you free grace and peace
1: thank you for listening for more information please visit garden.church